Hello and welcome once again to 101 George Street, the podcast from Mowbray, Scotland's national centre for children's literature and storytelling. My name is John Malloy and for this week's episode, I welcome Gemma Thornton to the show. Gemma is the education manager of none other than Grimm & Co, the Yorkshire-based apothecary to the magical. As well as serving the needs of the nation's magical population, Grimm & Co is also a registered charity with the core purpose of changing lives one story at a time. They support under-resourced children and young people aged 7 to 18 with their confidence and skills around creativity and writing. Let's dive in, shall we? Gemma, what's your favourite children's story and why? Well, John, obviously um, I'm going to flip this question on its head a little bit. And I have a number of favourite children's books, but I decided not to share my total favourite with you today. I'm going to share one in relation to it being October, and that means that it's Black History Month. So I wanted to share one of my new favourite children's stories, which is called Hair Love. And it's a children's story based on the Oscar-winning short film. It won the Oscars, uh, yeah, last year. It's by Matthew Cherry and illustrated by Vashti Harrison. And I love it. And I will tell you about it if you'd like to hear it. Absolutely. I've never heard of this book. Um, To to my shame, to my shame. So please, yeah. No, 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 don't worry. So um, firstly, it's worth saying that the entire film, it's a short, it's a short film, is available on YouTube if anyone wanted to watch it. But Mm. obviously we all know that reading the story is way better. Um, So yeah, it's like a really lovely, like thematic story around self-confidence and like, loving like who you are and everything about you but it's also about like this beautiful relationship between a little girl and her dad Um, and basically she's got this wonderful amazing hair and it's got a mind of its own so it kinks and coils and curls and her mom knows exactly how to do her hair right but mom's not available at the moment and dad needs to do her hair And that's pretty much the story. And it's about the crazy hairstyles that he's trying to do. And he's really trying his best. Uh, And it's a really great, it's a really great heartwarming story. It warms your cockles. I'll have to check that out, you know. Yeah, you will. You will. It's so, it's so lovely. And actually, there's a really poignant bit at the end. So I I really don't want to share that. But there's a reason why mum's not around and you kind of uh, you see mum towards the end and it's really it's really nice and I just think it's a really nice way of looking at a family dynamic in a different way and also these kind of gender expectations of like sometimes it's presumed that the mum does those kind of jobs yeah uh, whereas that doesn't need to be the case so yeah uh, really really at Grimm and Co this month we're trying to celebrate uh, books with black main characters and also uh, black authors so yeah I'll have to check that out mainly because I remember um, a few years ago, my niece came up to me when I was visiting parents and uh, she wanted me to do her hair and I had no idea. I literally, I, I, was, I was sat there kind of going, uh, um, and I was looking around for help and no help came. And in the end, I just kind of said, I don't know how to do that. But then I realized that actually I should have been able to do something. 
you know, even if it was just to sort of tie it up, tie a knot in here, something like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be honest, like to your listenership here, the hand gesture you've just made there, you should never do to a child's hair, John. (laughs) (laughs) The the tying in the knot. (laughs) Yeah, the tying of the knot. I know. No, don't do that to a child's hair. But equally, like as someone who, you know, identifies as female, I brushed my hair at all this morning and uh, I haven't got a clue what to do either. So it's absolutely fine. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. But that leads on to uh, my next question, actually, which is a question about Grimm & Co. Now, you are one of the education managers at Grimm & Co. And I know um, you yourself, you're particularly enthusiastic about Grimm & Co. and the mission that you have. Uh, for all listeners at home, what is Grimm & Co.? Yeah, that's that is kind of a really big question, to mm. be honest. And there's kind of two versions uh, if anyone were to ever go on our website, for example, we we have a magical story and a mortal story. Mm. And I was hoping I could take you through both. Yeah, please, by all means do. Okay. So um, firstly, if you were to enter our apothecary to the magical, you will be in a multi-sensory space that sells many, many, many wares for magical beings. So I would start off, and our head shop shop elf would start off by saying, welcome to Grimm & Co. Uh, and what you need to know is that Grimm & Co. was founded back in 1148, just before lunchtime, by my boss, Graham Grimm. Mm. That's why we're called Grimm & Co. Now, Grimm & Co. is an apothecary. And then we talk to the young people about if they know what the word apothecary means. And we say that we don't just sell any medicines, that we sell potions and elixirs and concoctions for all magical beings. I'm talking dragons, witches, wizards, goblins, you name it, they come into our shop. So my next question for you then, John, is what magical being are you? Because your human disguise kit looks very, very high tech. Oh, you mean underneath the, the skin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What magical being are you? I'm a slightly manky, over-the-hill dragon. Do you know what? Sometimes our dragons do look rough around the edges, but there's a lot of self-worth hidden within. And actually, if you were to come to Grimm & Co., just for the health and safety of other uh, magical beings and the mortals, you would only be allowed in on a Thursday afternoon. That is when we close the shop specifically for our larger customers. Uh, So then we explain that our boss, Graham Grimm, is a bit of a grumpy guy, I'm not going to lie, but he wasn't always. And this one particular time when he was only a boy, he was walking along Hatherton Tops and he came across something very unusual. Now, something you need to know about Graham is he's the seventh son of a seventh son. And if you're the seventh son of a seventh son, you have a magical power. And his power, although he didn't know it at the time, was that he could see and speak to magical beings. Insert a gasp, please, John. <gasps> that was fantastic. I can tell you've got some actor training there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So he's walking along Hatherton Tops and who should come past him but a bogle. Do you know what a bogle is, John? I think I do. Is it like a boggart? It is. To be fair, they're pretty much a synonym of each other. Interchangeable. Quite small, stinky, very slimy, but ever so friendly. And the bogle told him something that would change his life forever. The bogle said, magical beings don't need food and water and oxygen like humans do. All they need are stories. One completed story would give them a burst of energy like anything else. But the only problem is is with the rising technology, people's creativity are being dashed. And actually, story supplies are getting low. 
And with that in mind, Graham, very much like the David Attenborough of the environmental world, decided to save magical beings out there. And that is how Grim & Co. came to be. So we recruit young people because, as everyone knows, young people between the age of like seven and 14 have the most active imaginations, which means they write the most incredible stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we get them to write these stories so that we can feed them, quite literally feed them, to the magical beings, keeping them alive. So not only are we a shop, not only are we encouraging young people to come and be creative and write with us, but we're actually saving many, many species of magical beings. I think I merged our mortal and magical story together there, but I hope you enjoyed it. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I was sat here completely engrossed. Um, so you're based in Yorkshire in England. Yeah, Rotherham specifically. We we love that we're based in Rotherham. Rotherham's ace. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. As someone who's been to Rotherham a few times, it's I can vouch for that. It's a fantastic town. Um, now you used to be based in a, a shop front, a shop wasn't it? Like a shop front to the shop. Yeah, we um, did a few pop ups before we became in an actual space. Yeah. And um, you've recently moved to new premises. I understand. Yeah, it's very exciting. We mm. we moved in August to our new story destination centre. Can you tell me a little bit about this story destination centre? Absolutely. So. Um, We don't want to move out of Rotherham. We love being in Rotherham and we want to be near the children that need us the most. So we're actually moving about a five minute walk up the road. That's all. Uh, We just realised that the demand for Grimm & Co is is forever increasing. Mm. Our school's visits, for example, are often booked up over a year in advance. So we want to be able to provide uh, for the young people. So we've moved into an old church called, it's the old Talbot Lane Methodist Church. And honestly, the, the architecture of this building is just stunning. It's going to become very much along the lines of like a Gothic castle. Mm-hmm. And um, there, there will be a um, like a cafe place for, for people to eat, which we've never had before, which is exciting. We'll obviously still have our apothecary for our magical beings, uh, but we'll have a bookshop, provision for communities and families, in early years uh, young young people also then upstairs instead of having one writer's pad that's what we call our area where the children come and do our workshops we're going to have um yeah many of those at least three also with some nooks as well for young people to go and work in smaller groups so that we can welcome like workshops simultaneously so yeah the idea being that we really want people to travel from far and wide to come and visit uh, Grim and Co and spend spend the day with us doing some very very exciting things and those who are listening that know of Grim and Co don't worry the beanstalk has been transported to the new destination right as someone who's never been to Grim and Co to my shame that's piqued my interest massively now <laughs> well obviously there's got to be a way for the giant to get down to do obviously his and her shopping yeah yeah so yeah. we've got we've got the beanstalk sometimes we let the young people go down it and it's very exciting. It all sounds exciting. It does sound exciting. Hopefully not just young people go down the, uh, the beanstalk. Yeah, um, I have been known to dabble a bit. <laughs> fantastic. Talking about Grim & Co, one of the things that I, I love about the, the concept of Grim & Co when I discovered you and I discovered you guys um, via a random internet search a few years ago. And it was what struck me about it was a the similarities between Grim and Co and Mowbray and what Mowbray want to do, what Grim and Co uh, are doing, and um, but also the fact that you have quite a uh, an established dynamic, energetic, creative learning program where you go into schools and you work with communities to improve literacy. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? 
Yes, of course I can. Um, so it's first worth saying that I actually only joined the Grim & Co team just over a year ago, about 18 months ago now. Mm. And our program all stems from a methodology that was created by our founding chief executive, Deborah Bullivant. This is when she was working for Rotherham Metropolitan Borough Council, uh, was given some funds to try and raise literacy, particularly around the SATS age, Mm. um, using a new creative method, um, and particularly focusing on boys. And uh, she worked on this tirelessly for two years, uh, created this new pedagogy, And it worked, which is fantastic. And then she obviously realized that there's more that can be done. We can't just stop here. And that's when Grim & Co, our literacy charity, was was born. So we do offer free writing workshops out of schools for young people. And I would say that it's region-wide, to be honest, because we do get lots of young people from all over the place. Mm. Now, we also run schools workshops. Classes come into Grim & Co and experience a story-making session as well. Um, and we do we do charge for that because that then funds our free outreach work. Mm. It's worth saying as well that everything that we do at Grim & Co has an output. It's really important that these young people understand that their voice, their writing is worth celebrating and has a purpose. Uh, and the quality of our outputs like, astound me. Um, mm. So one of the things to make you aware of is uh, that last year we were commissioned by the BBC for young people to write a radio play for Radio 4, BBC Radio 4. That's got like a 1.3, I think, million listenership. Wow. Uh, we had a listening party as well on the day that it went out in November last year uh, where all the children came back to listen to professional actors read their plays absolutely brilliant we also had uh, over the summer a song a songwriting um yeah program uh, the children wrote uh, their own song and lyrics and then local bands and also international bands as well we got Jans Lakeman to uh, who if you've not ever heard of you should definitely check out his album mm. it's awesome to to record one of the songs and then that's now a cd that's for sale in our shop so what i'm trying to say is that there's always an output and i think that's another reason why the young people we see a rise in the young people's confidence because they're proud of themselves and that's something that i feel like sometimes some of the children we work with don't experience a whole lot mm. Mm. yeah not- I completely agree. I remember chatting to two weeks ago, actually, I was I was talking on the podcast with Gerald Richards and we were talking about the need to give young people the headspace to be creative, which is quite, I mean, I, I, I used to teach in, in England um, a few years ago now and because teachers often, particularly when I was teaching, it might not be the case now, um, just throw that caveat in, but I suspect it is. Just you're under so much pressure to teach the exam and to push up attainment levels according to the grading criteria that you're given that sometimes the 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 space and the time just to enjoy being creative and to creatively write about, about whatever you want to write about, that can kind of fall by the wayside a lot. And uh, Gerald actually just said, look, you know, it, all we do is go into schools and we give them license and we say, okay, what, what do you want to write about? Write about it and then do it. And then obviously then they, they, they kind of encourage it. They work with the teachers. And what he says is that through this process where you're just giving the kids this headspace, this time to do that, attainment levels do go up because the kids will use the skills that they've learned in lessons and apply those skills to, to their writing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think it's worth saying as well that, um, so the project that I'm heading up at the moment mm 
something that's so we've been very fortunate to be funded by the Paul Hamlin Foundation on their teacher development fund and that's a two-year program and we're going to start back we're starting going into schools in in January and it's interesting what you just said there about the teacher because as as you just heard in the title this is a teacher development fund Mm. so what we're doing is we're going to apply the Grimm and Co methodology this child-led approach um, to the literacy scheme that um, a trust in in England is is going to is is using. So the trust is Astraea Academy, and they've got a number of schools around South Yorkshire, but also in Cambridgeshire as well. And what we're going to do is we're going to go into ten schools, and we have a Grim and Co artist working for a whole half term, that's six weeks, with the teacher to give the teacher license as well and give this teacher the confidence and the skills to take more risks in how they creatively teach literacy. And the artist will be with them every step of the way. There's a lot of like co-planning, co-delivering, and these year four children get to experience their literacy lessons for six weeks in a completely different way. And it's so exciting, John. We've got like this immersive theatre space that's being designed at the moment by Rhys Jarman, who's a really prolific theatre designer from the West End and he's just so on board and really enthusiastic and it's really hard not to spread that enthusiasm because um, it's this idea of empowering the teacher to then feel like they can give those children that license you get the teacher on board that's 30 children we reached Um, and what's even better than that is that the project then flows into a dissemination so that teacher then trains the rest of the faculty uh so what i'm trying to say is that grim and co is trying to take over the world john i have i have noticed i have <laughs> noticed. <laughs> that's the reason why you've got that evil sort of look on your face that's exactly it that's it that's it now what you were saying about the various uh, cpds so teacher training projects and supporting teachers as well as um, working with young people that leads into my next question now this is a very broad question and i am aware and i'm being a bit mean asking you this question okay um so feel free to tell me off but why is creative learning important yeah um i'm gonna be honest it's funny you should say that actually because i think i like prepared some kind of answer for this and then this morning I was like lying in bed and I think I completely changed my answer um but it is a hard it is a very hard question there's so many reasons why it's important I guess but like I think so creative learning is the key to free and independent thought I think and uh we are we often operate within the restrictions that society has has laid out for us and it, you know, and the establishments within that, but creative learning allows like a hidden door out of those restrictions and like where you can go into your imagination, mm. your possibility. I like the fact that it's just so freeing. And that's why I think creative learning is important because it's on your terms for like probably the first, that's probably the only time really something is on your terms. Mm. Um, but then when what I was thinking this morning, and I am not going to get political in this podcast but I am thinking about the current situation we all find ourselves in, all of us find ourselves in. And I also am thinking about the fact that the arts are in a a really fraught position right now. And I think that if anything, we need creative learning now more than ever. Our young people have just experienced and are continuing to experience a period of trauma. And I take my hat off to every child and young person during this time, because a lot of us are really wrapped up in our 
in our own suffering in this in this and I and I have really been fed up for for a, for a long time but constantly just trying to keep on keep on like we all are mm. I think a lot of us forget that the young people are going through this as well and I feel like they're going to need to be able to express how this has affected them and creative learning will be the way to do that and it gives me hope when I think about those kind of things about the arts because the arts always finds a way and even though things seem really dire right now I, I know that it it, it will survive this because it has to absolutely absolutely um I think particularly with regards to the current situation the global situation and the pandemic that we're going through we're going to get through this and there's going to come a time when we're going to need to express what this is and what this was and our journey and our story with regards to the pandemic of 2020, possibly 2021. And with creative learning and particularly young people, it gives them the license to figure out the world and interpret the world in a way that's theirs, that's completely theirs. And we so often when we've grown up and I'm speaking not just as myself as an educator, but also as, as, as a young we, we, a young we burn when I was a child. We're so often measured against someone else's thing, against the criteria. Someone says, right, this is how you get your A grade. This is how you get your B grade. This is how you get your C grade. But the thing with creative learning is that you you set your own grades in a way and you set your own parameters. And that's going to be really important, particularly when it, we, it, comes, to, when it comes to that point where we look back and reflect and go, God, okay, that was 2020, that was 2021. That's going to be really, really important. Um, and the young kids, this so-called generation COVID that have, you know, where it's affected their schooling, it's affected their social life, it's affected university. It's going to come to a time where they're going to need to express that. And also like kind of strangely, I'm incredibly excited by that because their, their interpretations will all be so vast and so different. And I think the art forms that they'll use to express that, you know, like it's, it's a whole new generation of artists in the making of something that we've we've never experienced in our lifetime so yeah I just yeah I think that's why Mowbray and Grimm and Co and all the other uh, organizations that are working closely with young people right now are amazing and incredibly valued before I move on to the next question you've made me realize something in that this is just what, what human beings do after every major traumatic event, after every major event, human beings will then interpret that event and will then kind of go, okay, and they'll release, they'll write poetry about that event or they'll write, they'll go create amazing pieces of art or they'll write amazing pieces of literature. This is what we do. This is our bag. And it's going to get to a point where the young people of today, they're going to create wonderful, amazing things about, um, about the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This leads me on to my next question, actually, um, Gemma, which is how have you guys, Acronym & Co., how have you adapted to the current situation? Ooh, that's the question, isn't it? To be honest, I'm incredibly proud of Grim & Co. and our team. We're, yeah, we're, everyone's just so brilliant. And we, we actually experienced some period of furlough with some of our staff, mm. uh, but we made sure that we were still continuing to reach out to our young people. So as, as with I know yourselves at Mowbray, a lot of our provision turned digital. 
Um, so myself and the other creative learning manager, uh, we created programs of work that we first delivered to our Saturday clubs uh, that we still run over Zoom. Uh, but then we also, you know, made uh, short videos and written instructions of these activities and put them out into the wider world for anyone to access for free. Uh, these all, again, followed like a very set program with an outcome. Uh, so, for example, we are um, affiliated. We have a close relationship with the 826 story centers around the globe, which whom Gerald is a, a part of. Um, and uh, they have a collective children's magazine, which is so beautiful, called Illustoria. Um, and Illustoria were asking for contributions of stories from the young people. So that was one of the things that we did. Uh, the, the, we were given the theme of maps mm. uh, and our young people wrote some amazing stories and we sent them off and we were very, very excited that two of our young people were selected in the upcoming issue, which is fantastic. Uh, we also um, contributed to the Foyles Young Poets Award. So we did a poetry uh, spoken word and we also did uh, a whole program around writing for well-being, which we thought was very important at the time. And what's been really brilliant about that is a number of secondary schools have taken on that program as the first things that they do with their young people when they went back in September which is great to see that schools are, are prior, prioritising that. Uh, we've also bought a trailer. Mm. Uh, so we've bought a trailer so we can take our apothecary on the road. Um, and this would become a tool for us to sell our wares, but also as a stimulus, an immersive stimulus for delivering face-to-face -face in, in the outdoors. Um, mm. So we're, we were fortunate enough to do an um, event at, Wentworth Woodhouse in Rotherham in August, mm. which is very successful. Uh, we're hoping to do that, uh, to do more of that. Uh, it's also worth mentioning as well that we, in the new year, our building work for our new venue will be going underway as well. So lots and lots of things happening. Mm. One thing that I was aware of, though, I'm sorry that I keep talking, is that um, just aware of all those children that are maybe experiencing digital poverty at the minute, maybe not access to the internet, maybe can't um, yeah, access our programs. So we've just started a partnership actually with the Rotherham Advertiser where they have a clipper club. So that's the children's section of their newspaper. Um, and starting in mid-October, we're going to start featuring our activities in there as well, which I, I personally am incredibly proud of that we're doing that. Brilliant. Gemma, what are Grim and Cole's future plans? Okay, so uh, obviously I've touched on some of that, mm. but... Um, we, our future plans really are to reach those children we haven't interacted with yet. I think that's our main priority. So we are working with external organisations such as uh, Bernardo's and a local charity called Sunbeams, as well as schools that have got a high ratio of looked after children. Mm. It's really important to us that we reach those that potentially are vulnerable in some way or have experienced some kind of trauma, provide them with some outlet, as we talked about earlier. So that's something that once we recruit our new roles, because we've got a number of new roles that have, have just been advertised, uh, once we start recruiting our new roles, that will be the projects that straight away uh, will, will begin. These are the, This project in particular has been funded by Children in Need and the mm. um, Esme, Esme Fairburn Foundation. So uh, really, really important 
that we that we do that also it's to get our schools program back up and running um approaching schools when they feel like they're ready to have external people coming in again and again thinking about how we can use our immersive theater space our trailer and also our trained and incredibly talented associate artists to build almost a new schools program because at the minute our venue isn't available Mm. Um, I'd say that the final and the most important thing really is to get our story emporium up and running and welcoming for the general public I think that is going to take a good couple of years Mm. um, and we're going to be doing it in phases so it'd be really really great to keep catching up with Mowbray and you know get you guys coming to visit once we can finally open any kinds of experiences or advice that we 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 can give we will give brilliant i'm really looking forward to working with Mowbray as well in the future we've um for those listening we're we're going to work with our our saturday club and your young people are going to do almost like an exchange workshops together to create a publication or yep. some form of our product, product we haven't actually set that in stone yet have we john we haven't um, but, but we are, we really are, great. yeah, we, we are, we are hatching plans and uh, more details will follow for our listeners at home. But, um, but we're both really excited at the idea of a, a Grim and Co. Mowbray joint project. I think that's going to be brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. It might be also worth saying that, um, for those listening that I used to go to university with John. So it's been <laughs> really, really nice to, uh, reconnect through, like, I never thought that I would be talking to you again because of a global pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, um, yeah. It's been really great to reconnect and like I, I see a lot of Grimm's values uh within Mowbrays and you know I and I think it's absolutely brilliant to give our young people this uh, like opportunity to experience a completely different place. Absolutely, absolutely. Gemma, thank you so much for being on the show. It has been genuinely fascinating and brilliant. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it, John. It's so lovely talking to you. Thank you for listening, folks. I hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to click like and subscribe to show your appreciation. I've been John Malloy, and until next time, stay safe and stay creative. Stay creative.